Welcome. This is our weekly devotional with Dr. Owen Anderson, and I want to look at Acts chapter 23 this week. In Acts chapter 23, Paul is on trial before the council in Jerusalem. The Romans had to intercede when Paul was at the temple and was assaulted, and the Romans had to take him, thinking that he may have been a troublemaker, but Paul told them that he was a Roman citizen, and then the Romans wanted to hear, what is the difference? What is the division between Paul and the Jews? And the, the, the whole thing is good, of course, but I want to especially have you look at chapter or verse 6, Acts 23, verse 6. But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other part Pharisees, he cried out in the council, men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Concerning the hope and resurrection of the dead, I'm being judged. So Paul realizes, of course, that the council is divided between these two groups. Now, the Sadducees were the keepers of the temple and all that went on in the temple. And they also, though, tended to be willing to compromise with the rulers of their day, be it the Greeks or Romans, in order to continue the work of the temple. And they seem to have been some kind of materialists in just in this sense that they denied the resurrection of the dead. And you might remember them bringing questions to Jesus, specifically what happens to this woman who was married to seven men when they're raised from the dead, whose husband does she have? Which of the husbands is, does she have? Whose wife is she? The idea being that it's preposterous that she's anyone's wife and there is no resurrection of the dead. They're trying to catch him in that kind of a, a part problem. And then the Pharisees, on their hand, they downplayed the role of the temple in favor of the role of the rabbi and the people. And so the consequence was that they downplayed the role of the atoning sacrifice, which the Sadducees were in charge of. They downplayed the role of the atoning sacrifice. And because of that, they, they overlooked the Messiah and what he had to do, that he had to suffer and die. Now, Paul is a Pharisee and the son of a Pharisee, and he was the student of the great Gamaliel, the great teacher of his age. And so you'd expect that if he was a prized student, a leading student, that he really understood the Pharisee position. The Pharisees affirmed the resurrection of the dead. And so he puts his, 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 the division there and says that that's why he's being persecuted. Now, question for you. Did, why did he do this? And I ask that because I've read scholars, people who you, you think would know better. I've read scholars say that he was just trying to get out of trouble here. And he just deflected it from him to them, knowing this would make them argue and get him out of trouble. And so then they, they assume that what I just said is true about his motives. And then they debate the, eth the uh, morality of it, at the ethical nature of it. Was it ethical for him to do that? Now, I think that's absurd from the beginning. He's not simply deflecting to them. He's actually telling us what his hope is. And if you want to see this elaborated more, you would go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where he explains why the resurrection is the Christian hope. And without the resurrection, Christians are to be pitied more than anyone else. So that's a real difference. If there is no resurrection, then Christ is not raised. But on the other hand, if, all, if, if there is a resurrection, which means death is removed, well, that means the Messiah came 
and overcame sin because death was imposed due to sin and death won't be removed until sin is removed. Go back over that a few times. You can rewind and think about that was a, a syllogism to prove that if you believe in the resurrection of the dead, you must believe in Jesus Christ, that he was raised from the dead and he overcame and conquered sin. And then he was raised as the first person raised from the dead. Other people like Lazarus, who's been, who have been resuscitated, were brought back to life, but then they died again later. Or Elijah, who didn't die at all. He was taken away. But of those who died, Christ is the first to be raised from the dead. And that's where Paul's hope is. So in this one sentence, far from being unethical or devious or conniving, this one uh, sentence or, or, or half a sentence after a semicolon summarizes the whole Christian position. The hope is in Christ and his resurrection from the dead. And because of that, we can hope that we'll be raised from the dead. So again, I'd encourage you, go back over this and reflect on that. Write out that equation, the syllogism I just shared with you, and realize all that Paul is doing in that one piece there. Now, we were told, or, or the disciples were told, that when they're brought in public, the Holy Spirit would speak through them. And I think that's what we have to remember here is they were told not to worry. They would be given the words they need. This is an example of the work of the Holy Spirit all throughout the book of Acts. And, and really, the Holy Spirit working in conjunction with the message of Christ, it's the work of Christ conquering his enemies. He's going to bring the Sadducees and the Pharisees to naught. The Sadducees entirely disappear with the temple. The Pharisees, in one way, continue through the rabbinical teachings. But there's never been someone to come along like Christ and to teach reconciliation with God for all humans through his own atoning death. And it's because of that that we have our hope. 